Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey, all right. Welcome to episode number 26 of Grow Bud Yourself. We have a great one in store for you guys. We have our friend, comedian Rob Cantrell here. We have stoner fact check. We have a grow tip on how to how far away to keep your lights from your plants. Uh, questions and answers from you guys and more. So stick around for episode number 26 of Grow Bud Yourself brought to you by Excelsior Extracts. Hey, all right. Welcome back. And as always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong. This is episode 26. Michael, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm excited about this episode. We're 26 in. Yes, indeed. And uh, we have a great friend uh, joining us for the intro, comedian Rob Cantrell, who's been on the show a few times and in the magazine a few times. And we've we've hung with him here and there and everywhere. And, uh, yeah, really excited about having him visit us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, he, he, he leads quite an interesting life. He's hanging out with other comedians. He's doing like shows online and even outdoors in person these days. So can't wait to hear a little more from Rob. Do you want to, do you want to jump right to that? Yeah, let's jump right in. All right, and we're back, and uh, we are with our uh, buddy Rob Cantrell, comedian Rob Cantrell. Uh, you may know him from uh, Last Comic Standing, Marijuana Logs, uh, Tracy Morgan's The Last OG, or uh, you know, just down at your local uh, comedy club or smoke spot, just hanging out. Or bodega, I'm around there too. <laughs> yeah, I'm at the subway as well. I'm on the H. I haven't hit the subway since the Corona, but I'm around. Yeah. Well, you know, you've always uh, you've never been shy about, uh, you know, your cannabis usage and all that. And I think, uh, you know, I think that's been a part of your career. What do you think about like, you know, comedy and weed and, and that sort of thing? Oh, I think it goes hand in hand. And I think it goes for me personally. It's uh, something that's definitely helped me out. I mean, I started in San Francisco, which, you know, the Bay Area. uh they got weed on lock. I don't know if you heard this. <laughs> yeah. They've had uh, weed on lock since uh, 66, man. Yeah, don't blow up their spot. <laughs> don't blow up their spot. But uh, ever since Jeff- Jefferson Airplane touched down, uh, <laughs> they've been growing and smoking weed. And uh, I started stand-up there. And I guess, uh, yeah, I you know, I always like Cheech and Chong. And, you know, I always I think comedy in general is about being silly. And when you get high, you like to be silly, you know. So it always kind of it's always been there since the times of Lenny Bruce, you know, smoked a lot of reefer like, you know, George Carlin. Um, Rodney Dangerfield was one of the biggest potheads ever. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorites, too. I love Rodney. Yeah. Rodney loved weed, man. And always and, and you uh, talked about the giggles. I mean, most people's, you know, when they think about their first experiences with cannabis or, you know, maybe not the first, but earliest experiences, it's just like the uncontrollable 
laughter and then you just look at your friend you, you you finally finish laughing and then you just look at your friend and then you just start laughing again like a maniac yeah and uh, you know laughter is healing and i mean i'm sure you know this as a comedian but like it's uh it's a blessing to be able to make people laugh you know it's pretty awesome yeah it's a you know it really is one of the basic self-defense mechanisms when shit goes down you know just like you gotta you, know, <laughs> you gotta clown on yourself and you gotta clown on other people because if you can't take the clown then you ain't gonna make it what do you think about performing high you know a lot a lot of um, artists that are really into cannabis some of them don't really like to get on stage when they're stoned how about you where, where do you weigh in on that I think it's like everyday life as well. You know, after being a performer, it's coming on like 20 years I've been doing stand up. So it's a lot like real life. Like sometimes I'm high and sometimes I'm not, you know, and sometimes it's a great ride. Sometimes it can be quite a drag if you're bombing up there and you're super baked <laughs> and the crowd sucks and you walk into it. You know, that's, you know, everything's a little bit more intense. So I have bombed when I've been high, but I've also killed really hard. Uh, and that's also very fun. I'd say one, there was a time when I would uh, definitely like when the first time I started eating cannabis, I would just nibble a little bit of cannabis right before I perform. I remember I was doing shows at Times Square, like doing these rapid sets at night and you're going up like late but as soon as I'd hit the stage, the adrenaline would hit in and I would just I would just pop alive. Uh, and really, I just remember everything being super bright and super the laughs like, ah, you know, kind of like a, a horn section. You know, have you ever been at a live concert? You know, music when they got the horns, when you get hit with the horns, you know, <laughs> that's uh, that's a but like you just don't forget that moment. So I just remember. Uh, so I do like doing it. But when the stakes are super high and the crowd is maybe straight as hell, you know, and you just want to get make sure everybody I mean, you want to make sure everybody has a good time. Sometimes I don't, you know, sometimes for the Tracy Morgan shows, those are kind of like big theater fucking shows like and i don't want to bomb in front of tracy morgan <laughs> uh, so i never really got high before any of those like i just i did the beacon and so i was dead sober but after when i get home it's just like you know the mm. huge you know fucking fire a couple one hitters out the window and and put your headphones on and listen to rush you know <laughs> nice nice you mentioned uh you know touring with uh tracy morgan but you also got to tour with uh, one of my favorites of all time, Mitch Hedberg. Uh, uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, performing with Mitch and, and even just hanging out with Mitch. I mean, what was what was that like? You recently had his uh, his um, wife on the, on your podcast. But tell yeah, me Lynn about Shawcroft. I toured right. with Mitch and Lynn Shawcroft. They, uh, Mitch was the headliner. Lynn was his wife that was from Canada. Um, and yeah, they. We toured, I did comedy clubs with those guys, and he was just a sweet soul, man. Just super nice, down-to-earth, good dude, uh, wrote jokes, performed jokes. You know, when I met him, he was, uh, he was I mean, he wasn't super famous, but I kind of saw this rise happen. The first time I saw him was at the Punchline in San Francisco, and he was co-headlining and uh, with Tom Rhodes. It was those two. 
and the room was like half filled. I never heard about him before. And he just went up and the room was like half filled and he just crushed and killed with these one liners. And he was super chill, like so laid back and so nice. And uh, hanging out with him is, was the same thing, you know. Um, he did work hard and he did drink hard. So, you know, he was a big drinker and smoker. He wasn't, when I met him, he was more, it was more drinking and Coke and that like hard edge. I mean, he was a rock star, but there was a lot of pot early on, but you know, the story ended kind of sad with Mitch, but I, it was just an honor to work with somebody that good. You know, he really just was one of the best joke writers of all time and just a nice dude like literally one of the nicest comics i ever hung out with and totally chill like like a lot of people a lot of comics or even famous people just have airs and he definitely didn't have any airs <laughs> sounds like so great... many good one-liners oh, yeah man. so many great oh. one-liners and uh yeah speaking of go, which go check out the works of mr mitch hedberg for sure for sure. But we also got to, uh, you know, we touched on Tracy Morgan, but we got to get a good Tracy Morgan story out of you if we can. Because <laughs> um, uh, he's just, you know, <laughs> he's just legend. an amazing legend. Yeah, he's but. legendary. Tracy, uh, you know, I, I, I worked with Tracy right when he got 30 Rock. And then I didn't see him until after the accident. And then my friend was working on the last OG. And uh, that's how we got connected again because i stopped by uh the set and then we and then he asked me to come out and open for him again and he remembered me that's i didn't know if he remembered me i hung out with him for like two weeks hard like right it was like right between right before he got 30 rocks so it was after snl he had like a tv show that didn't go anywhere and then he had a couple movies but it was right before 30 rock i had like two weeks that i hung hard with them but after 30 rock he kind of exploded into a whole other and he was busy and he's just like a father with a bunch, you know, he had three kids at the time, but uh, I guess the craziest, the coolest story was uh, he bought me a pair of uh, shoes, like uh, 200, they were like $300 Italian shoes uh, in the South Bronx. We were going to do this show in Connecticut and we were in the Sprinter van. He's like, yo, you know what we want? You know what we need right now? Some gyros. So we went, to the gyro place in the South Bronx where he grew up in a sprinter van, right? And uh, it was in the middle of rush hour. And we pull up to the gyro place. He's like, this is the best gyro place. And we came from New Jersey and we had like an hour. It was only like an hour before the show. So we'd, I would meet him in New Jersey and then go out and drive and uh, to Connecticut. And uh, so we went and, and he just bought everybody these awesome, but just, messy ass gyros right and we're all eating these gyros he's like wrong you gotta get them burnt on the end edges and he's yelling like oh we opened up the sprinter brand and the whole south bronx went nuts they were like it's tracy morgan yo and he's from there and they all like everybody like it felt like everybody knew him and was giving him high fives he's definitely a man of the people especially in new york uh and we hit up the gyro place and he's like yo wrong come over here and I went over and across the street was this leather jacket store, like where you would buy like an eight ball jacket in the nineties. You know, <laughs> it was like this, there were these Hasidic dudes that were running the place. And right when we walked in, they were like, yo, Tracy, what's up? You know, they went nuts because they thought he was going to buy some shit. And he was, he was like, yo, Rob, 
I wanted to get you suited up for the show because they all made fun of me. It was Artie Fuqua on the tour, Mark Theobald, Pat Brown, and Roberto Vanderpool. And they would always, you know, they all worked together in the 90s on the Def Jam circuit. So they would always fuck with me. They would be like, yo, Rob looks like a hitchhiker. Because <laughs> I wasn't dressed up because I'm like a stoner. Like if Danny knows me, I got like a Patagonia sweatshirt and jeans and some fucked up shoot like some running sneakers. Yeah, some know? running sneakers or something, right? Yeah, running sneakers. So we were going to go do this good theater show. And he was cool. He was like, yo, Rob, you got to. He pulls out this uh, blue turtleneck sweater. He's like, you got to wear this. I was like, no, Tracy, I can't wear that shit, man. I can't wear That's too much. And then right when before he walks out, he just grabs these pairs of shoes. He goes, here, buy these. And uh, he puts them on his credit card. And then I came, I came out and they were like, these are leather Italian shoes, like 10 and a half. Perfect. And... Uh, we were like, oh, my God, Tracy, you just bought them. And somebody Googled it and they were like, yo, they're $400 shoes. And then somebody was like, yo, Rob's going to put that on eBay tonight. <laughs> uh, and did you? No, I kept no, them. Yeah. Awesome. I wore them no. no. at the uh, – I got to do the Beacon Theater with them, which was a huge gig, man. That's like, amazing. Uh, on that that's stage. That's one of the best theaters. That's where the Allman Brothers would do like oh, you yeah. know, every year, like seven nights in a row. Like I've in terms seen, of like yeah. entertainment business, it's one of the most beautiful rooms so yeah, that was a great world. opportunity. No, Tracy's always been all good and all business, and uh, he's just a boss, man. He's just uh, and he's got he's got another season of the last OG coming up. So That's hopefully awesome. I'll get on that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it was awesome. We saw you in that as well. Um, yeah, let's talk about your podcast. It's the Cannabis Coffee Hour. Um, you've had some amazing guests. I mean, including Bill Burr, who uh, just hosted Saturday Saturday Night Live, and. Uh, you know, Ari Shafir and uh, Samir Nassim and, and, and our our dear old departed friend uh, Brody Stevens. Uh, pretty amazing. That, um, and Danny Danko. But no, yeah. Brody was never on it. Right. You had a show about him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because um, I, yeah, I have had a lot of comedians. And Danny, I just had you on. So shout out to <laughs> Danny Danko from uh, Bro Bud Yourself podcast. Shout out Mike G in effect, you know horns and lasers uh you're approaching your 100th episode i think too which is amazing and uh like i said you've had bill burr and like a, a lot of just amazing comedians on there who it was so nice to do it man i you know i haven't seen bill in years but i knew him back at the boston comedy club days like in new york like before he kind of blew up and uh, he, we were always cool. Always had we did a we did some dates together, and we did some shows in San Francisco. But I hadn't seen him in a while. But he was uh, beyond cool to do it. Um, and it was like he did it, and then Silent Live was announced that night. Wow! So he knew he was going to do it, and he didn't tell me. And I've been we've been going back and forth like three weeks. And he was like, hey, Rob, I'm going to be on the East Coast doing these Connecticut shows. I think I could talk. You know, he's got two kids and shit. Yeah. But he was awesome, man. He was awesome and couldn't been nicer, you know, to do the podcast. I've just been lucky with cool friends. Yeah. Including our also Doug Benson, our, our old pal, who uh, I know you've been on the show a bunch of times. And uh, Doug's yeah. been good to me, but I haven't had big Doug on. You know, Doug right. is a. Uh, He's tough. He's, He's tough. I, I, I would definitely have him on. I just thought I'd let the podcast grow. Just like you, as you know, right. 
organic and it's gotta be organic you know, right? and what we talked today on my podcast about you know just i'm just letting things i'm trying to keep it really simple and bill burr was a huge inspiration to me because he did his podcast solo so my thing was i you know i just had a a, a mic a lavalier you know comedy I just had to get some other content out there and I've done podcasts before, but doing it with other people and spaces and time, you know, I just don't have it with everything that's going on in my life. So I just went solo mission. I think I did all of them. You know, I talked for an hour and a lot of times it was weird, but I'd be hitting weed the whole time <laughs> and getting through it and talking whatever was coming to my mind. Cause I saw Bill Bird do it. You know, I saw him kind of take it like, okay, I'll just do this weekly, you know, and you get better at it. And whether it's good or bad, are they all great? I don't know, you know. And but I make my own beats. I love doing it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, people should check out your record, Pure Uncut Joy, your stand-up album. Um, and they can learn everything they want at robcantrell.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as far as your podcast, your Patreon page, finding out uh, what type of shows you're involved in. People are doing virtual shows. Are you doing virtual shows at all? Yeah, uh, I've been doing some, but uh, it's not that fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, some of it's... them are good. No, I've done a few. Uh, no, some of them have been fun, but it's like, I'd rather do this right now. I did a couple live shows outside in Bushwick, like really short sets. And I, I actually had the, the the face guard, the plastic face shield on. <laughs> so it was like doing comedy through a salad bar, you know? <laughs> Uh, and I like that. I actually like that. I like the face card. <laughs> yeah. There's a they, lot of comedy they want you to- in Prospect Park. You know, they've been having more and more shows over there. And I think I'm doing one in Fort Greene in a couple of days. And people have been doing it on rooftops, too. So that's okay. been interesting. But me going inside a comedy club and making, you know, I just, I'm not there yet. Yeah. And I've turned down a couple, like, little theater not yet but i'm just like not now i'd rather uh smoke cannabis and do my podcast and talk to you dudes and wait <laughs> till the coast is clear can people uh find you know your upcoming dates for virtual shows or outdoor things on uh, on your website yeah on my website or my ig is a rob 88 cantrell so if you want like super up to date like you know thing little things i'm doing it's there and then everything else is robcantrell.com well, yo, Rob, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you on Grow Bud Yourself. Yeah, just keep up the great work. Keep us posted. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate the love. All right. Thank you so much to Rob Cantrell for appearing on the episode. And, uh, you know, always a great uh, guest and friend. So thanks to Rob, and we will be back after these messages with more Grow Bud Yourself. Hey, you guys, this episode is brought to you by Excelsior Extracts and their incredible THC-infused relief rub. Uh, And now this stuff really works. And uh, I know it works because it's made by our friend Outcast, and she needs very, very strong topicals. Uh, so the Relief Rub is the strongest topical I've ever tried. Check them out on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts, all one word. Uh, D 
DM them for info on the Relief Rub if you're interested and uh, give them a follow. Uh, They're great people and they grow great cannabis and make great products. So thank you to Excelsior Extracts. Now back to the show. All right. Welcome back. And thank you to Rob Cantrell. Yeah, man, definitely. It's good to check in with Rob. You know, I got to say, if Tracy Morgan offered to uh, to clothe me, to buy me an outfit, I would definitely take him up on that. That sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and having had the opportunity to meet him a few times as well, like, yeah, he's quite a character. And it must be very fun to go on tour and, and travel around with uh, Tracy and his people. And Rob, man, Rob's a trip. We we He's like a an old friend of the show. We used to have him on in the free weed days every now and again. Yeah, yeah, and he's hosted some Cannabis Cup awards shows and all kinds of uh, events for us here in in New York and, and all around the world, actually, even in Amsterdam and everywhere. Yeah, he has indeed, so very good to have him on this show for the first time. And uh, at this point, uh, normally there might be a, a feature interview where we kind of speak to um, a grower or a cannabis celebrity in depth, but this week we decided to do a bit of a public service announcement. We, we want to help the cannabis community. And so we wanted to do a little stoner fact check for the people. Yes. Well, there's a lot of fake news out there. There when is. When it comes to getting high. Yeah. And, and we feel like it's our responsibility to uh, set the record straight on a couple of things. So, yes. you know, we're going to go through. I'll give you uh, one of these cannabis myths, and you can give me your opinion on it. And, of course, if you're listening... And you feel strongly about one of these things, uh, let us know. Or also, if you have a cannabis myth that you would like Dan and I to address, let us know. Absolutely. We want to hear from you guys. Okay, so yes, let's get this uh, fact check started. And the first myth that we are addressing is uh, you could use a lemon peel or damp Q-tip to rehydrate your dried out stash. Yeah, I don't like this uh, option, uh, particularly fruit. You know, when people talk about apple and lemon and orange peels and things like that, um, it's just you're begging for molds and mildew and all kinds of things. I mean, if your pot's dried out too much, you know, maybe consider making some some butter or some some tincture or something out of it uh, if it's unsmokable. But, uh, you know, trying to re-wet it, I don't know. It's not a good idea. Although, you know, there's there's products out there that can do this. Um, in a reasonable manner, uh, I certainly wouldn't employ any kind of like fruit or damp Q-tip type of stuff for rehydration. Yeah, don't don't play God here. You can't bring this stuff back. Once it's gone, it, it's probably gone. Time to move on. So it's fart dust. Yeah, fart dust. <laughs> uh, an oldie but a goodie. Uh, okay, so uh, this one I hear this a lot. It's it's pretty prevalent. I would say with maybe more beginner smokers, but uh, the myth is holding in a hit longer gets you higher. Yes. This is a good question for Dr. Mitch, actually, but Mm. um, I don't think it does. And I think, uh, um, you know, it really only does more damage, to be honest. I think uh, that uh, any sort of cannabinoids are going to be absorbed very quickly. Yes. Uh, There are studies that say that it only takes about three seconds for uh, those cannabinoids to get absorbed into your lungs. So holding it longer than that, uh, it seems like it's just going to make you lose your breath, I guess. 
<laughs> exactly. And then the people say you have, you got to cough to get off. Mm. No, hopefully you don't cough, especially nowadays. <laughs> Bad idea. So, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about this next one here. White lighters are cursed. People people think the white lighters bring about disaster. Yeah, pretty silly, uh, crazy superstition. I don't believe it. Uh, again, they say, you know, Jimi Hendrix had a white lighter on him or, or uh, you know. Yeah, like Janis Joplin, I think. Right, yeah. Cobain. I, they're, even they're if like, those things were all true, I still wouldn't believe that, like, you know, there was an object that's cursed. Um, I use white lighters all the time, mm-hmm. uh, and I got no problem with them. So, yeah, that's silly. I mean, all superstitions are silly, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, it's ridiculous to think that, like, something that you do can affect the outcome of, uh, you know, time and space. Well, <laughs> it is very interesting that this myth came about because, of course, there's the, uh, you know, the, the people that died at the age of 27, but then on top of that, there's this white lighter curse where Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain, they all supposedly died while possessing a white lighter. So, of course, the white lighter was bad luck, um, but apparently Snopes actually published an article on this, uh, and they found that Bick didn't even start producing of the white lighters until several years after those people had already died. So I think we're we're going to put the uh, kibosh on this particular myth. Well, I don't know. I guess big butane got to you, Mike. I'll tell you what, though. I'm still not going to use a white lighter. I, I, <laughs> I'm just not going <laughs> to risk it. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, we all want, we, you know, we all have our, uh, you know, how far we want to go as far as, you know, when it comes to superstitions. But, uh, I mean, yeah, why risk it? There's sad. so many other options. Just, you, you know, don't, there are different color. Don't lighters. tempt fate. Yeah. Now, what if it's a white lighter with like print on it, like black print on it or mm-hmm. something? Is it, I think it's okay. Matter? And it, some of them it have has that, to be all that white. wrap, you know, like that cellophane, a plastic wrap of a design around it. But if you peel that off, it's actually a white lighter. I don't know what the rule is there. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> All right, well, let, let's move on to one um, that you'll probably be able to speak to pretty well. And the myth is uh, that playing music for your plants actually helps them grow better. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it helps them grow any worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and as far as helping them grow better, I mean, you know, there's certain vibrations that happen when music is played in a room and certain sound waves and things that that occur that might... Uh, you know, help the leaves to move around a little bit. And, you know, I don't know that the plants can hear the music. I, I, I just, I don't think I've tripped that hard, but, <laughs> but they can feel it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. It can't hurt them. Right. So the point is, um, if you're concentrating on all your energy on making sure your plants can hear music, <laughs> but you're not like, you know, feeding the plants, you know, nutrient solution, mm-hmm. and you're not checking them for, you know, so we could certainly get in the way of, you know, making sure your plants are healthy if you're concentrating only on, you know, the stereophonic uh, sound system that the plants are receiving, you know, through your, you know, expensive speakers and, and sound system. But if everything else is in position and everything is right and your climate and your atmosphere, your 
temperatures, everything is all dialed in. And then you want to add a little classical music, some piano concertos or something, then, you know, be my guest. But don't put, you know, the, the, the music ahead of, you know, all those other links in the chain that need to be uh, insured. Yeah, music alone can't sustain plant growth. But um, Correct. But it can't hurt. Can't hurt unless it's the Eagles. Don't play the Eagles. Let's move on to another one here. Um, you hear this all the time. So the myth is that smoking out of a bong with ice in it gets you higher. Hmm. Yeah, wow, interesting. I've never heard that it gets you higher. I just thought that it, like, somehow cools the smoke and, like, makes it easier to, like, take yeah, it in. And that's the idea. That... You can get more smoke into your lungs if it's cooler. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Um, I I don't know. I, I think, uh, you know, if the if the smoke is cooler as it goes through, that's great. And that probably helps, um, you know, with... with uh, the harshness of the smoke, but I don't think it really has any effect on how much higher you're going to get uh, from smoking. And plus, I'm not a big bong guy anyway. I mean, I like a bong hit now and then, but like, I don't know, you know, I like smoking joints. And uh, again, I don't hold hits in law for a long time. And I don't uh, hit my joints with any ice cubes involved either. But, uh, Hey, I don't think it hurts to have the the water be colder mm -hmm. in your bong. The important thing is to clean that water. Yeah. I mean, too many people have very dirty bong water and, uh, n you know, all the ice cubes in the world can't cure that. So true. Okay. So, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe don't bother putting the ice in there, but uh, as Dan mentioned, can't really hurt. Uh, okay. So let's do a couple more here. This one you hear all the time. This is a very, very prevalent, very pervasive myth, and it is the founding fathers got high. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of a stretch. I think, you know, certainly there was founding fathers that grew hemp, uh, but whether they put that hemp in their pipes and smoked it, <laughs> that's uh, that's a good question. I mean, Washington did separate the females from the males, which I thought was interesting. But ultimately, I, there's no evidence that those guys were, were toking up. Uh, no. They grew hemp for like rope and fiber and, you know, maybe some seed. Flags. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, there's really no evidence that they got high, um, you know, dazed and confused scenes aside. Mm -hmm. Martha Washington was a cool individual. Sure. Um, but I don't know if she packed bowls for George. And, uh, you know, the Founding Fathers s certainly grew hemp. But whether they, like, took the flowers of the hemp and packed it into bowls and lit it on fire, that's questionable. And also probably not factual yeah i'm going past questionable i'm gonna i'm gonna say that that did not happen but as you mentioned they grew hemp and they were aware of um how valuable a crop that could be so you got to give them credit there absolutely all right let's do one more and you were insistent that we get this one in so um, i think you have something to say about this the myth is and i never heard this before i have to say but here it is uh, in a pinch you can urinate on your plants to feed them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. I've heard this a bunch. Um, people say, you know, urea or, or urine has a lot of nitrogen. And uh, 
you know, I don't recommend peeing on your plants. You know, I'm going to go down <laughs> on the record to say that, like, Very brave of you. it's not a good idea. Yeah. But uh, urea is used in fertilizer. And if you um, dilute urine, um, you know, something like, you know, 100 to 1, basically, uh, meaning, like, tablespoon to gallon, you know, or gallon to tablespoon... Um, there is urea there, there's nitrogen and, you know, it's not going to kill your plants, but I certainly would not recommend using urine on your pot plants and, uh, wouldn't even recommend using nutrients that actually rely on urea as one of their, uh, you know, sources. So don't pee on your plants, please. All right. You heard it here first. Danny Danko says, do not pee on your plants. Pretty please do not pee-pee on your pot plants. Uh, I'm glad we ended on a high note. Uh, that was some stoner fact check. Again, if uh, if anyone listening wants to weigh in on any of the myths that we addressed here, or if you have other ones that you would like Dan and I to weigh in on, uh, get in touch with us. Info at growbudyourself.com is the best way. Um, we're going to take a little break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking cultivation. All right, and welcome back. This is our cultivation segment, correct, Mike? It is, yes, the cultivation segment, and um, it is the off part of the fortnight. So there is no strain this week, but as always, uh, we bring you a grow tip that Dan uh, discusses in depth each week. So uh, what would you like to talk about this week? Yes, this is something people get very confused about, and it's the distance that you should keep your lights away from. From your plants um, a lot of confusion out there about this obviously it varies depending on what kind of lighting you're using so um, also the amount of heat that's generated by those lights and also even the amount of plants that you're growing because if you have multiple lights um, you know you can raise the lights so in general with HID lighting which is high intensity just discharge lighting which includes uh, metal halide and high-pressure sodium lighting. These are the typical kind of, you know, industrial kind of sized grow lights. Um, thousand watt lights should be kept about 24 inches to 30 inches from your canopy, individual thousand watt lights. Um, if it's a 600 watt light, 18 to 24 inches, and a 400 watt light could be as close as 12 to 18 inches from your plant tops. You know, obviously if you keep your room cooler, uh, in temperature and you can suck that hot air out very quickly. Uh, or if you're supplementing with CO2 gas, um, which typically coming out of a canister is going to be nice and cold, uh, that can allow you to place your lights a bit closer to your canopy at the same time. You know, it's just important to know what your temperature is at leaf surface. So if the heat at leaf surface is too high, you got to raise the lights. Uh, you know, it's smart to use a light meter if you have one. If not, you can just place your hand right there at the level of the plants under the light. And if it feels like it's too hot for your hand, it's definitely going to be too hot for your plants. And you don't want to burn the tops. Um, so raise your light or lower your plants. Um, you know, a sure sign of the light being too close is bleaching buds, like where they just turn white. Uh, burning leaves or plants that are just, uh, in general, just stressing out. Um, that's a sign that the light is too close. Uh, 
that's with you know HIDs. If you're using fluorescent or uh, LEDs, which are light emitting diode lights, um, they're going to generate less heat uh, and they're going to penetrate further into the canopy. So they can actually be kept significantly closer to your plant tops. Uh, but you know, again, uh, it's a matter of how much they cost, uh, how much light they you know give you, and and how much buds they actually in the end produce. Now. I mentioned, you know, if you have more than one light, if you're in an industrial or commercial type growing application, uh, the lights can actually be higher because, um, you know, you're using more lights and you're spreading it around. And so the footprints themselves are blending together. Um, so that's why when you see commercial lighting hoods, um, they're usually typically smaller than the hoods you purchase when you're growing under just one light. Um, and you know, you really want to direct that light downward if you're just using one light, which typically if you're in a tent or something, you know, you're, you're typically using just one light. So you want that bigger, uh, reflector that really directs that light, uh, in larger applications. Like I said, the light can be more diffused because it's spread out. Um, always be sure to lower the lights or raise them as your plants grow taller. Um, so. Um, you know, you can raise the plants towards the light or you can lower them as they grow. Um, but definitely don't just install the light uh, at the top and let the plants grow up towards the light because you'll end up with long and lanky plants um, and they won't be able to hold themselves up. You'll need like stakes and trellising and you'll basically be wasting space and time growing a bunch of lumber. All right. Makes sense to me. So uh, that was some helpful knowledge about where to place those lights with your garden. Uh, so thank you for that, Dan. And now, uh, my favorite part of the show, where Dan answers questions from our listeners. And of course, if you have a question, we'd love to hear it. So you could send that to us. Uh, email is the best way. That is info at growbudyourself.com. But you could also get us on the socials. So get us your question. What do you say we get started with a couple of these here? Sounds good. All right. So uh, first question is from uh, listener IRA who writes, uh, and um, actually I'm going to mash up uh, two of his emails here into one. So he writes, um, what's up, Mikhail and Danilovich? Uh, I'm super starstruck that you guys answered my question. That was awesome. Uh, after hearing you say IRA like that, I am going to just stick with Ira for the show questions. So I guess I ruined that for him. <laughs> Ira has uh, two questions that we're, we're going to get into here. The first is, are you guys recording in separate places, or do you hang out together to record the show? Uh, well, it's separate places, uh, but they're both in New York City. Uh, myself in Brooklyn and Michael in Manhattan, but uh, definitely yeah, separate we, places. We actually we launched the show like right as uh, the coronavirus hit. You know, we launched in... Um, in April, so we had been planning. We had been planning these uh, wonderful uh, ideas of of getting a studio and recording together, but uh, we we actually have not done that yet for this show. We did record together quite a bit for uh, the previous show, Free Weed. Yes, and we will once again in the future at some point. Yeah, we're gonna get that you know studio apartment with the bunk beds and everything, so it'll be great. Um, <laughs> okay, so now uh, to Ira's grow question. He writes, keeping up with the issues I had before with the fungus gnats, here's my question. After seedlings growth is stunted by overwatering and fungus gnats, is it worth it to keep working with those plants? 
or will they be permanently screwed up from the stress? I'm just trying to figure out if I should keep putting the energy into them or scrap the project and start all over. So uh, what would you say there, Dan? Um, you know, what I would say is just trying to flower them out and get buds, um, you know, continue onward and and forward and flower them and, and get some buds. But if you're going to keep them as mother plants and take clones from them uh, for a bunch of future harvests, then, you know, you might want to scuttle the project and start with new uh, fresh genetics and really just concentrate on keeping them super healthy because uh, as healthy as the mother plants are, that's how healthy your clones will be. And if they've been through stress or trauma, that's going to be reflected in your clones. So um, I would say if you're just interested in flowering these seedlings out, uh, go for it. If you're interested in keeping them as mother plants, uh, I would say just flower them out and start new plants for mother plants. Okay, great. Makes sense. Um, and uh, Ira also would like to know, uh, is it cool if I link to your content on my Growing and Activism website? Uh, yeah, man, go ahead. Yeah, of course. The more the merrier. We're, we just want to spread the word. Um, so yeah, please. Yeah, please do so. Away. All right. Thank you for the question. Let's move on. We'll take one now from uh, Facebook from Mike. Uh, hello, Danny and Mike, longtime listener from years back. Thank you guys for the wealth of information. Uh, I have a two-part question. I'm currently running 600-watt HPS lights. My question is, would it be worth it to switch over to 1,000-watt lights? Uh, currently... I'm running eight 600-watt lights. I can handle the heat as well as the extra electricity. Would the yield be worth the upgrade? Uh, the second question is, are the more expensive bulbs really worth it compared to, say, iPower or Apollo? Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, most of the time, if people are asking me if they want to upgrade from 600 uh, to 1,000, the first thing I would say is, can you handle the heat and the extra electricity? And you answer with the fact that you can handle that. So uh, in that case, the yield would certainly be worth the upgrade. I mean, you have to think 1,000-watt uh, lights are almost double uh, the output of 600s. So, you know, if you can handle the heat and the electricity, you're going to get a much bigger yield. Um, you know, you just have to adjust for uh, that, that heat uh, by pulling those lights up a little bit. And uh, by the electri electricity, by, you know, having, you know, ballasts that can handle that and, and electrical power that can handle that. Um, as far as the more expensive bulbs, I mean, you get what you pay for. So you're going to get longer life with more expensive bulbs and you're probably going to get uh, a better yield. So to me, it's worth the extra money on the bulbs that cost a bit more. Uh, you're going to be replacing them every six months or so anyway. Uh, but if you go with the cheaper bulbs, you're going to possibly have to replace them sooner. And if anything, you know, the cost of, you know, the difference between inexpensive and expensive bulbs is very different than the difference between what you're going to yield from spending a little extra on the pricier ones. So I would always go with the pricier ones and, uh, like I said, if you can handle the heat and the electricity, upgrade to the thousands, you're going to see, you know, thicker, bigger buds. You're going to see higher amount of, uh, of uh, essential oil production. And I think you'll be much happier with the thousands if you can handle it. All right. Very good. Uh, we hope that helps you out there, Mike. 
And let's move on to Monty, who writes, Hey, Danny and Mike, a great podcast. I live in Melbourne, Australia, and listen to one episode on the way to work and one on the way home. It makes my commute enjoyable and educational. All right, cool, man. Thanks. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Good on you, mate. Yes. Uh, I am a relatively new grower, but a longtime smoker. I'm growing in buffered coconut coir mixed with perlite. Uh, recently, I've struggled with knowing how much to water my plants. I've tried the lifting pot technique, but I'm still new at this. I've had droopy leaves, and it's taken me a long time to figure out if I'm overwatering or underwatering. Any tips would be appreciated. Also, uh, what's your thought on a moisture meter? My wife recently got one for her other plants, and I tried it. It seemed to work well and gives me some confidence, so what's your opinion? Yes, uh... Here's the thing about the lifting pot, the pot technique. It's, it works much easier when you have like a soilless mix um, that's nice and heavy when it's wet and very light when it's dry. But if you're using coconut core and perlite, both of those things are usually light even when they're soaking wet. So it makes it a little harder um, to use that, you know, the weight of, of it to know. So I think you're smart to think about getting a moisture meter and even better in something like that where it's so loose and airy like coconut core and mixed with perlite you could use something where it's like a constant drip you know where it's just one or two drops every minute or so um and it's not uh, you know over watering but it's just a constant little drip that just drips down and you'll end up uh you know seeing some benefits from that as well and that would require you know, running some tubing and, you know, and a pump and that sort of thing on a timer. But I think when you're using something so light, like core and perlite, um, you know, you want to water sometimes two, maybe three times a day. It's nicer to automate that if you can, um, just to be sort of a dripping thing that happens on the regular rather than hand water where you, you know, you might need to hand water two or three possibly times a day. So, um, when you have a super duper light and airy mix like that, this it, same thing happens with grow rocks, uh, expanded clay pellets. Um, they just um, they hold water and they hold air, but um, you know you just have to replenish the water much more often. Um, so lifting the pot uh, technique won't work as well as just uh, you know knowing when the plants need water. So I think uh, you know your wife's got the right idea. Get yourself a moisture meter. And that way you'll know when the plants need, uh, you know, some nutrient solution and you'll be able to add it at the proper time. All right. Very good. Yeah. Always listen to the wife. That that generally helps. Uh, thank you, Monty. Uh, thank you, everyone who wrote in. We appreciate it. Uh, if you have a question that you would like Dan to answer on the show, uh, send it to us. Info at growbudyourself.com or find us on social media. That wraps up the cultivation section. But what do you say we take a little break? Come back and wrap it up. Sounds good. All right. Welcome back. And thank you to everyone who made this episode possible. DJ Jacques, Winstrong, Mike G, Rob Cantrell, Excelsior Extracts, Vapor.com, BC Northern Lights, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, all our friends and family, you guys are awesome. Please help Eddie Lepp out there join the uh, join the groups that are uh, 
helping out because he's very sick and needs help. Um, yeah. Mike, what do you got out there for the rap? I don't know, man. I, I feel like it's all been said. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. It's like, no, like when you paint a masterpiece, you just put the brush down, you know? You've done what you've got to do, and it's just time to move on. Wow. Wow. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, hey, you know, all our people on uh, YouTube and Patreon, subscribe, you know, get down with us, uh, participate in the show. We really need you guys, and uh, we love to have you guys participating. It's pretty awesome. And yeah, thanks to everybody. Episode number 26. Let's put it in the books. <laughs>